Welcome to the Awesomers.com podcast. If you love to learn, and if you're motivated to expand your mind, and heck, if you desire to break through those traditional paradigms and find your own version of success, you are in the right place. Awesomers around the world are on a journey to improve their lives and the lives of those around them. We believe in paying it forward, and we fundamentally try to live up to the great Zig Ziglar quote, where he said, you can have everything in your life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. It doesn't matter where you came from, it only matters where you're going. My name is Steve Simonson, and I hope you will join me on this awesomer journey. If you're launching a new product manufactured in China, you will need professional, high-resolution, Amazon-ready photographs. Because Simo Global has a team of professionals in China, you will oftentimes receive your listings photographs before your product even leaves the country. This streamlined process will save you the time, money, and energy needed to concentrate on marketing and other creative content strategies before your item is in stock and ready for sale. Visit simoglobal.com to learn more, because a picture should be worth 1,000 keywords. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. You are listening to episode number 51 of the Awesomers.com podcast. And as our tradition has become, all you have to do is go to Awesomers.com slash 51 to find the relevant show notes and details, including any links and things that we talk about, like our special guest podcast. Now today, my special guest is Taz Asan. And he's, he's just getting started, really, as a successful Amazon seller. He's been doing it a, a year or two now. And he tells us about his story and his, about his journey. And what I love is the fact that, you know, he's, he's sharing live kind of his journey where he's still working a full-time job, but he's putting together business and he's, he's putting, some, putting himself out there, I should say, trying to learn and trying to get better and, and finding mentors and networking and all, all those things that really uh, show a commitment to being success. Now, Taz started out as a young person with strong entrepreneurial spirit. Uh, despite his success on selling on Amazon, it didn't start there. His motivation wasn't money. He just likes to achieve and he enjoys the thrill of success. You know, when he was a kid, even as young as eight or nine years old, he was already negotiating with his parents. In high school, he burned uh, CDs that he would sell. And he didn't grow up in a wealthy family, so he had to take action to get the things that he wanted or needed. And that drove him into being a successful entrepreneur. Taz is always about learning what you need to know and when you need to know it. And that I really respect. That's kind of one of my axioms. Do what needs done when it needs doing. Uh, Which, by the way, I lifted from a great mentor of mine, the great Terry Wheat. Taz loves his family and he wants to give them an extraordinary quality of life. He has big dreams for himself and for others around him. And all of this was something that was built from the the very beginnings of his childhood. He sees a bright future. He sees extraordinary opportunity. And that really is a life of abundance. And it really is something that I like to see as an awesomer, is seeing the possibilities instead of the obstacles, right? Normies love to, to, you know, come up with a problem for every, you know, solution that you have. And Taz is a, a guy who finds a problem and creates solution. And he knows how to hustle. He understands mental and physical well-being. He's just a great guy. You're going to love this episode. He is really something special. Now, I do want to apologize. This one I recorded a little bit uh, funky. I was not uh, doing the right button, so it may not be the, the perfect quality, but the, the team and the engineers uh, behind the scenes who are doing all the editing and audio engineering and so forth, they're so amazing you may not even notice, but I just wanted to uh, may have cope with that one that it's on me uh, because I recorded this one in a different quality level. So we're trying to get better, everybody. We're trying to get better. Apologies. Thank you. All right, welcome back. Everybody, awesomers.com coming back to you live today. We've got uh, our special guest, Taz Asan, with us. Uh, Taz, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing today, Steve? Very, very well indeed. And of course, Taz is an awesomer, and we're going to get into his story here a little bit. Uh, but as always, we appreciate everybody who's out there listening and spreading the word. And, uh, you know, it doesn't, doesn't hurt to subscribe and uh, tell a friend. Why not? Uh, it's, it's easy. Anybody can do it, believe me. Um, oh, that's like a Trump. Believe me, Taz. Anybody can do it. Yeah, that's, uh, we'll just lost ten thousand listeners. Yeah. So, Taz, tell me, tell me, that's, boy, that's the opposite of getting subscribers. <laughs> when you think about uh, where you are right now, Taz, tell us kind of where you live and what you do in general terms. You know, kind of the professional uh, view of the world. All right. So, I live in Cambridge, Massachusetts. For those who don't know Cambridge, it's Boston, really. 
And I moved here two and a half years ago from the UK. I made a plan. I wanted to come and live and work in the US. I executed on that plan. And I feel like I'm living a dream out here in America. Honestly, I feel like I'm living the American dream. So when I came out here, I had to have, still have a job in technology. I'm a program manager for a big tech company. Then I also started my Amazon FBA private label journey, well, my full Amazon journey back in 2017. And I also started a podcast. So I have the Amazon Entrepreneur Podcast where I share my journey in the hope that I inspire people who are listening to step out on their own and become entrepreneurs themselves and get themselves out that nine to five that they may or may not like. Well, I tell you, not only is it uh, instructive, but it is inspirational as you uh, hoped it would be. And I, I do listen to that uh, because uh, I enjoy the fact that the juxtaposition of kind of you dealing with the job still, right? And I think a lot of entrepreneurs who are, you know, trying to make this transition from, uh, you know, working a job into a full-time, you know, business, they, they need that uh, kind of sharing of uh, experience. Yeah. You find yeah, that it's people an, have that same uh, experience, you know, in other words, they're struggling with the same things you are, time and all the things that go along with that. Yeah, it's usually time. And my situation is kind of unique because I actually, I'm not in any kind of real rush to leave my company. My company is super flexible with me. I, I, I can go and do certain things in the office and work remotely and manage my business at the same time. So it's a little bit different from most people who are really trying to force themselves out the nine to five. It's good and it's good and a bad thing. So I can take more risk with the business by having a, a decent salary coming in. But at the same time, I don't have a massive fire under me. that says, Hey, I'm not going to be able to live here if I don't make this business work. And there's a small other piece there with the fact that they're also getting me a green card so I can stay in the country. So, there are many positives for me at the moment to have the full-time job, but it is a massive balancing act with time, you know, having an actual real life at the same time as working a job, running the business, and then running a podcast, putting two episodes out a week. It's, it's definitely intense and it's not the life for everyone to lead, but I love it. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, there's a lot to that. And I do, I like the fact that everybody has kind of their own path, right? And really yeah. what you have is you have a great job, right? You're not being oppressed, right? It's not exactly. like, you're, oh, the boss every day, I'm just being beaten down. So you enjoy what you're doing, which is great. And you've got, as you said, a little bit more risk capital, right? E even though you have to pay bills, this gives you the opportunity instead of having to rely, make or break on the business decisions every day, you've got a little little cushion out there to, to rely on. Is that true? Exactly. That's exactly how I, how I viewed it. And actually, back in when I first launched back in October, and then I had that first product go and have an IP claim, and then it sold out, and then I had a supplier run off with $16,000. I was, and I didn't launch anything else. I had no income from the business, and I had over $4,000 of repayments to make. And without having my full-time salary, I would have had some real challenges. But you know, I took that risk knowing I had enough cash and enough of my salary to cover me during those dark times. Yeah. But, but well, yeah. We may so come back to that because I want to dive a little deeper on that uh, story about that supplier. Uh, maybe see if we can uh, help troubleshoot that for you. Okay. Um, so uh, be before we do that, though, I want to we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about kind of the origin story where you know, we t heard a little bit about Taz uh, coming from the UK, but we don't know what, what city he was born in. We don't know about his parents. We don't know anything yet. And we're going to dive into that right after the break. Be right back. Hey, Amazon Marketplace professionals. Congratulations on your success to date. Your creativity, strategic vision, problem solving, and discipline have allowed you to build your own e-commerce business. Wouldn't it be great if you had more time to focus on the things that truly drive the sales and growth of your company? Instead of getting lost in a dozen different services and countless spreadsheets, what if there was one system that connected to your Amazon account and automatically gave you the information that you needed to make great decisions and really impact your business? Parsimony ERP can do that. Parsimony is the business operating system for your marketplace business. With Parsimony, you get true double entry bookkeeping, easy financial statements, full customer service tools, and item-by-item item profitability, along with project and task management, and more features are being added all the time. Learn more at parsimony.com. That's parsimony, P-A-R-S-I-M-O-N-Y.com. Parsimony.com. We've got that. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, now that we've got some bills paid, we're coming back. we got Taz Asan with us today, and uh, he's definitely an awesomer, does all kinds of great stuff, including his podcast, which I recommend you all go subscribe to immediately. It's very fun, and uh, I think it's also quite authentic. Taz, uh, Taz, is that your kind of 
you know, it, it, maybe that's just your personality, but it just comes across as just like this happened. It was great. Or this happened. It wasn't awesome, but this is the way it is. I really appreciate that you think I come across that way because that's my intention. One of, my, one of the reasons I started the podcast was, you know, there are many, many podcasts out there. Some I love, some I don't. And the ones I didn't, didn't feel authentic to me and didn't really feel like they told the whole story. So I'm really transparent in my business. I'm transparent about what's going well, what isn't, and where I made mistakes. And I think it's really, really important to talk about the mistakes. Because if you give someone instructions for how to go one to 10, this is how you become successful. What about all the dots in between where you, you, you mess up? And if you don't know what those things are to look out for and just take those steps and you're not successful, it's like, well, what happened? And I follow all the steps. But what I try and do is show where I am successful, where I've made mistakes, and the whole picture, it's not about pride for me. I'm not trying to say, hey, I'm the best at everything. I'm learning. I'm new to this. I feel like I'm new to this. And I'm always going to be learning. I'm always going to be growing. And I want everyone to know that it can start from zero. I had no real business experience, but I went in. I had faith in my own ability. And I studied. I worked. I learned. And I learned from the mistakes. And I hope that's something that will take someone else who's maybe thinking about jumping in, just scared, or oh, I don't really know how to do it. I had no idea myself. I just listened to podcasts. Literally, that's all I did. I listened to podcasts, studied it, did a bit of research, read articles, and thought, okay, well, I can do this. I'm going to go and do this. You definitely have a learner mentality. Uh, as uh, One of my favorite things is the strengths-based leadership training uh, or, or assessment test that people could take. You can uh, buy the book, uh, Strengths-Based Leadership. There's an assessment in the back of there. And I would put dollars of donuts that learners in your top five strengths, uh, Taz, for sure. It's a, yeah. it's a very good strength. I share that, by the way. Uh, we always have to be careful as learners that we, uh, sometimes the dark side of that strength is we learn for the sake of learning instead of execute. So that's my, <laughs> that's my battle, not yours, but uh, <laughs> that, that happens. So t tell me this. Um, so you came from the UK when you, uh, a couple years ago to Boston. And uh, I noticed that was not a Boston accent. I was, I was right <laughs> on top of that. Uh, but where were you born? So I was born in London. Okay. Uh, 31 years ago. Oh, and... look at that. He's old, everybody. <laughs> yeah, no, it was a, I loved London. It's a great city, but I always, I mean, I didn't always, but when I, got to university and I finished school, I, I had this urge to move to the US and I thought to myself, hey, should I go and do an MBA or how do I get to the US? It was my, was my thought. And I did some research into potentially doing an MBA, a master's. I wasn't really convinced, didn't want to get into another $100,000 worth of debt. And I kind of left the idea. And then it came back to me again when I, I was at the office and you could hire this coach for free at, at my old job. And they made, I, I did, why not? I'm, I, I want to learn, it's I want to grow. Price. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the lady made me think about what, where I wanted to be in five years. And it was a, it was a novel concept to me. I'd never actually tried to think about where I wanted to be in five years. In my mind, I was always thinking, oh, well, you know, I want to make more money. I want to learn more, be better. But I never put a plan together or thought to myself, hey, where do I want to be in five years? And that's what spurned the thought of coming to America. And my, my thing was in five years, I want to be a big tech company in this specific role in, in the US. And I ended up being able to do that in two and a half. So I love it. That's great. Yeah. I, always an overachiever. That's for sure. Uh, how about your parents? What kind of background, what kind of work professionally uh, did they engage in? So my parents were both, well, my dad's a social worker. My mom was a, a childminder. So a nanny, I guess. I think they call that in the US. A childminder, so, everybody. Hashtag look it up on Google. I don't know what it is. <laughs> so that's what my parents said. And they moved over Actually, my dad came over first from Bangladesh is where he's from. And then my mom came over after that with my sister. It was an interesting situation because my mom said she wasn't going to come over until my dad had a house. And then he, he basically worked for 18 months without meeting his daughter. And wow. he hustled. My dad was a real hustler. He studied at, studied at night, worked during the day, and got it done, got his degree for social work and made it happen. So he's an inspiration to me. He really, really is. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and how, how do they like your entrepreneurial journey, by the way? Sorry, say that again. I missed that. I'd say, you know, assuming that they uh, may still be with us, I, I don't know uh, their, their current status, but they are. Uh, <laughs> thankfully. Okay, good. So, and uh, what do they think about your entrepreneurial journey? Sometimes parents, especially uh, a stable social worker, government kind of person, may be like, hey, this seems a little risky, boy. Well, uh, my mom is very risk averse. My dad has had multiple 
unsuccessful ventures in business. So became risk averse after those ventures. And they were definitely concerned. But to be honest with you, they know I still have a, a full-time job and they're less concerned about the rest of it. I don't, and I don't really go into the details. I don't really say, hey, yeah, so I'm leveraged out by $85,000 at the moment, dad. Uh, what do you think I should <laughs> It's not a conversation we have. Uh, they, they do ask me how it goes. And you know, I, I'm honest when it's going well, when it's not. And I think they appreciate that, but they don't really know the ins and outs of the business. I think they'd probably be a little bit more concerned if they realized what was at stake. It's clear that they don't listen to the podcast because they would get those <laughs> updates every week. <laughs> I don't think they listen. They may have left a review, but they haven't listened to it. Oh, okay, good. That's a, as long as we get the important stuff in. How about exactly. siblings? Do you have any brothers or sisters? I have one older sister okay, uh, nice. and a niece. Are they, uh, is your sister uh, entrepreneurial? Not one tiny bit. Yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of those myself. Actually, I have five sisters and uh, there's a couple entrepreneurs in there and a couple, uh, uh, you know, non-entrepreneurs. Yeah. Uh, as I, uh, my definitions, uh, you know, awesomers are, you know, we break the paradigms. We're not satisfied with the status quo. We want to do stuff. We're not afraid of making mistakes or even failing, honestly. Um, yeah. Actually, we're afraid of it, but we're, we still do it anyway. Um, yeah. We're not, uh, you know, impervious to fear. But normies, uh, we love them. They're great friends, family, whatever. But often they, they tell us, don't do that. This is scary. Um, I'm scared for you. And so I'm going to protect you from whatever it is. And so it's hard for normies sometimes to get on board. And again, it's not a, it's not a put down. It's just a difference of a mindset between people. Do you, have you found any, not that you have to endorse my nomenclature, but <laughs> you found differences between people who kind of are in the entrepreneurial world versus without it? For sure. And I definitely get on with the entrepreneurial type more. But the thing is, I think anyone can get there. So I didn't, I wasn't always, actually, I want to say I wasn't always entrepreneurial. But now when I think back to when I was a kid, I was, you know, selling my lunch for better food and money to, <laughs> to make a bit of cash. And I had, a, I had a few services when I was growing up and I used to, I had a little CD burning business. So actually, maybe I was a little bit entrepreneurial. But I think I, maybe I did it without the fear when I was young. And then when I got older, it wasn't a thing. I never thought to myself when I got out of university and I had a job, I didn't really think, oh man, I don't want to be working for the man. I need to start my own thing. How am I going to do that? I was just, I was just working. And it took me till I think after, so I'm a huge Tony Robbins fan. Okay. And I did my first event four years ago. And it was from that point, my mindset really started to shift. And I, I started to let, hang around with a few more successful people. And most of the really successful people that I'd met had their own thing. And then it was back in 2016, uh, mid 2016, when I thought to myself, I really need to start my own thing now. Like I have an amazing life. I can do pretty much anything I want. I travel all the time. But if I really want to make an impact in this world, I need a huge amount of cash. So I'll let you into a little secret. One of my, so what I want to do in my life, my life goal is to be able to dedicate my life to philanthropy. And I think education and food is a basic need that every child should have. And I'm, it, it touches me. It's very close to me. So to, in order to do that, I need a, a lot of wealth. Like I don't just want to, not that there's anything wrong with this, but I don't just want to go to Africa and paint a school. I've done that. I volunteered in South America. It's an amazing feeling, but I believe that I have, enough ability and more than enough to do more and leave a bigger mark. So that's what kind of put me on this entrepreneurial journey is that it's me wanting to give my parents the best life possible. And I retired my dad last year. I was able to do that off, off my own salary, which was great, but I want more. I want to give him his dream life. They haven't got that many years left. I want to do that. And I want to change the world. So that's what drives me. That's what allows me to say for today, I got to record another podcast and it'll probably be around 1130 when I'm going to be able to have the time to go do that with everything else I have to do. But I'm going to do it because I think about why I'm doing it. And I think that point is really important to touch on because when things are going, things aren't going well and times are tough in the business, you're getting negative reviews, you're suspended, whatever it is, you have to think about your why. Don't get emotional about what went wrong. Think about why you're doing it and then think about the solution for how you can get out of it. Yeah, boy, that is uh, true words. Very, very good advice for everybody out there. Uh, in the show notes, we'll add the... Uh, uh, kind of our process for how to find your why. It's a free thing. Uh, you can download it. You know, knowing your why, sussing that out. Every, everybody has a sense. Uh, clearly, Taz knows his why much better than the average person. A lot of people go, yeah, I need more money or I need more security. Or, I need more of this or that. But they haven't really broken it down to the two things that you want to help kids get. What, what was it again, Taz? So 
education and and food. Like, see, I'm I'm on board with the food, but education, forget about it. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I think that that really is a uh, an important lesson because, again, often people get things mixed up, uh, or uh, as the kids say, they get them twisted. Does that, does that sound right? Yeah, I don't know. They used to uh, say that about 10 years ago, yeah. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> so, as, as usual, I'm hip and with it uh, for the times, but that people get confused that they think giving everything first is how you can you know, make an impact on the world. But that is actually reverse. You have to kind of get yourself in order. You have to have yourself prepared and have the resources to then make it something sustainable that can give back over the long term. So I, I salute the way you're doing it. Absolutely. And, and honestly, I went through that exact process as well. And it was my, one of my friends who made me realize that. So I thought to myself, uh, you know, I really need to contribute more. I have so much in my life. I'm so grateful. How can I do more? I should be going to a soup kitchen every week or doing something, spending hours helping people. And then my friend said to me, look, so you want to grow your business. You want to do this. You want to do all these things. And you want to go and help all these people. So where do you think you can have the most impact? And he made me, because I was at odds with it and I was upset with myself that I wasn't doing more. And then he made me feel at home with, hey, you're building something. And later down the line, when this thing is built, you're going to have such, uh, uh, much, such a bigger, much more of a bigger impact when that time comes, when you can go and do these bigger things than you would if you just kept on feeding somebody you know, at a soup kitchen. And that, I, oh, please don't get me twisted. Don't get twisted. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great thing. And I do those things, you know, I'll, I'll just go and give out food down in Boston. I, it's just something I'll do now and again, but I, I don't dedicate 10 hours of my week doing that because I'm trying to build something big. And then when I get that thing and I'm, and I'm able to build it and able to contribute at a massive scale, that's what I want because I want to make a huge impact. Well, this is, this is again, something for Osmers to take note of, right? We all have these um, uh, important things in our lives, so whether it's philanthropy or anything else, but let's use philanthropy in this example. And it's, it's great to get out there in the soup kitchen or the paint the, the village or whatever it is. Uh, all of that has value. And really, it's mostly emotional value to you. The reality it is, is... It's selfish. <laughs> yeah, completely. Uh, and it's amazing. But the reality is high performers, you know, this, this is that old argument between the $10 an hour, um, you know, impact and the $10,000 an hour impact. You know, has a, it can build a business that can be sustainable and do things at a much higher level over the long term in that same amount of time if he spent 10 hours a week at the soup kitchen. Great to be done, but there's other guys who are going to be able to help with that on a more frequent basis, and Taz is going to be able to build something bigger. And this goes for everybody. Uh, I really think wherever your passions are, put your most valuable time into the biggest impact uh, methodology. So that's very I good. So, uh, let me ask you this, Taz. Uh, what about university? I heard you went. Uh, where did you go and how did you like it? So I went to the City University of London, and I actually, before that, I was trying to become a professional tennis player. That didn't work out. I went to school and went to university, started off doing actuarial science, which is you know, the guys who do all the insurance for stuff. So I was good at math. I thought, I thought my, this was my mindset before school, or before going to university was, how can I make the most money? That was it. That was it. So I mean, you're I not feel alone, like I'm, right? That's that's. <laughs> 90% of people going to college, like, how do I make the, how do I make bank? That's it. That was all that. So I, I feel like I've, I've come a long, a long way since just needed to make or wanted to make money, but that was my mindset. So I went and did started actuarial science. Absolutely hated it because it was just math and I was good at maths and I could have done it, but I really, really hated it. So after the first about three months, I gave up on the course and partied as hard as I possibly could for the rest of the time. And then and knowing that I was going to switch and I wasn't going to get anything out of that year. So I was like, let me just party really hard. So next year started business computing systems. And that was my degree. I went on forward with, did some programming in that as well. And after the first year of that, you could work and study at the same time on, on a special scheme where you'd work four days a week and you'd, and you'd come to school one day, come to university one day a week. But you had to go and find your own placement. You had to convince the company to take you on for just four days because usually they take on what we call sandwich placement people who work the whole time. So they work full time for one year, then they go back. But the advantage of this is that you get three years industrial experience before you go and, go and graduate and, you, and you're set. You don't have to think about getting a job or looking for a job. You're already set. You have the experience. You're way ahead of everyone else who's trying to get experience. So how did I like school? Actually, I, after about the first year, I, was, I didn't enjoy it because I started making money. I started working in a real job 
And I was trying to compare what I was doing at school to what I was doing in my job. And none of it was relating to any of it. It was, there were a couple of things, but I needed to learn everything on the job for the job that I was doing. And I was, and so my grades began to decline and decline. I, I cared less about university and more about how can I perform better at my, at my job. So. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's a, a, a relatable experience. Let's say that uh, for sure. Uh, you know, I, as a, um, I dropped out of college after the first semester. I just simply was too poor. I, I, I didn't have that uh, job opportunity. I was working at night as a janitor, uh, which was a uh, glamorous work. I know everybody <laughs> was very impressed, but uh, let's just say there was not a big future in janitorial for me. Uh, <laughs> That was my last proper job, by the way. Um, you were 17, weren't you? I think you remember telling, you telling me this. Yeah, I think 18. Uh, at, actually, yeah. I, I was still 18 when I started my first business. So that, 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 that going a from a senior in high school to one semester at college and then starting a business, uh, yeah, it was a fun time. So, uh, so as we think about you know, how you got from that university where you were still, you were kind of in that job, w- would you say that was your proper first job that went yeah. to university? Yeah, I mean, I had retail jobs before that, and, and I was yeah. working in malls and stuff, setting sunglasses. Actually, in fact, I was still working. I used to sell. I've sold sunglasses for six years, and whilst I was still working at, and studying, I was still at that job. So I was working on the weekends at that job, working during the week at my other job, and then going to school one day a week. Wow! So. <laughs> Boy, that's a lot of work. <laughs> that is a lot of work. Uh, now I guess you know I had why, it in me. <laughs> while you can still uh, juggle so many things at one time. Uh, yeah, how about a defining so. moment? What what defining moments in your professional life or your business life, however you want to look at it, was there you know some pivot point where you said I I'm doing this or I'm changing this or I'm adding that or subtracting that? Anything you want to share with us? Yeah, I'm going to give you two if I, if that's okay. Please, yes. <laughs> so the we'll edit it the out. First... Don't worry. We're just going to listen to one, <laughs> and then we're editing out the other. No, carry on. The first one was, I told you that I was trained to become a professional tennis player. So that start, I was doing that for about seven years. And it was my belief from about 14 years of age that I was going to become the best tennis player in the world. And so that was my only thought in life. That's all I cared about. I didn't care about school. Again, my grades started to slip. I didn't want to go to school. I was lying about going to school. I was going to play tennis. And that was all I could think about. But then at the age of, at the age of 18, I just turned 18. Um, everything blew up. I couldn't play anymore. My coach didn't coach me anymore. Everything ended and that was it. And that was the lowest point in my life uh, to, for my life at least. And because for me, that was everything I had in my life. I didn't really have a social life. I didn't really have many friends because I just went to the courts. That was it. That was my life. And I, I don't know if you know that you get these adverts that are all always, um, they're advertising for charities, right? And you see these kids who are malnourished in Africa and so I'm depressed. I had, I'm in my bed, not leaving my room for two weeks. And I see this ad and usually I just flick the channel because I don't want to see that because I do connect with it emotionally. I don't want to feel that way. I don't want to see those people in pain. It hurts. So I don't want to look at it. This time, for some reason, I watched the whole ad and I've never done this before in my life to, before that point, but I watched the advert all the way through. And then I thought to myself, like, what the F am I doing? What am I doing? I have a family. I have a house. I can eat food. I'm alive. Why am I sitting here doing nothing with my life? So that, that moment was a turning point for me. I actually got out my bed. I did my resume. I went to the mall, went and handed out my CV, my resume at, mall, at the mall, got a job within a week, started working. I hired a tutor to redo one of my exams, my math exam. And yeah, went to university after that. So that was a huge turning point for me. And that is what kind of spawned, spawned gratitude in me all the time. And, and Every time someone had a problem, it was pretty funny. I'd say, think of the kids in Africa. And I was serious. Because like, how can you be upset about something when there are kids out there dying because they can't eat and you're upset about breaking up with your boyfriend? I mean, <laughs> that's a very I, good I, point. And I, and I totally understand, you know, we have emotions, but I couldn't, I couldn't see past that. And then I, that, from that point on, I couldn't understand depression, at least for a while, because it was all about, hey, like we have so much. I, whenever something goes bad, I always think, go back to how much I really truly have. And so I, that was well, what the first is an important lesson. I just love the fact that, you know, we all, we all get those uh, tendencies, you know, where the dark uh, momentum kind of gathers us up a little bit, but yeah. gratitude is the fastest way out. Right. It, it yes. really is to just go, gosh, the, you know, look at what I have and look, you know, you can't I, feel anything else at yeah, the same time. It really time. is so much better. Yeah. Uh, really good uh, experience. So now that was one. Was there another one? 
that was another one. This, that was the first one. That was the earliest one I had. The second one was just when I went to my first Tony Robbins event. And I'd never had a, I didn't even know what this thing was. I, I knew, I kind of knew who he was because I've heard his TED talk. And I used to put on his TED talk to motivate myself to do things, this 20 minute TED talk. And I was like, okay, but I'd never taken it past that to go to an event or anything like that. Then I had some friends at my, at my corporate job who were talking about it and convinced me to go to an event. And I'm really thankful that they did because after the first few moments of people dancing on chairs and I me mean, not knowing what the hell I got myself into, it was, it was amazing. It was, that was my second life-changing experience. And that was when I really, my trajectory of my life changed and why I was doing things really changed. I changed why, why I wanted to do things, why I wanted to make money and who I was doing things for and who I was living for. And it turned, it kind of pivoted from, hey, I want to make money and be successful to I want to provide value and change the world. So that was I huge. Love that. That, so anyone who's thinking about Tony Robbins, go. <laughs> that is a, uh, an awesome story for sure. You know, the fact that Tony Robbins was the catalyst uh, that got that done is, is uh, a very common story these days, right? He's, he's impacted a lot of people and, and you're kind of going to continue to impact other people as a result of that impact, which is exactly, I, exactly his purpose in life. Uh, Amazing ripple effect. Yeah, it really is something else. Uh, all right. So we talked about a couple of these defining moments. Uh, is, there a, is there a lesson that you've learned in your journey so far, whether it's the professional life or the business life? Uh, what can you share with us? Maybe a, a lesson that is you know, kind of noteworthy. I think the, the biggest thing I learned, this is my, my lesson of 2017. Uh, two, okay. I, whenever you ask me one thing, I want to always give you two. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you two again. All right. You can, yeah, you yeah. can edit out the one you don't want. You don't okay, like perfect. I like to have <laughs> options. <laughs> Can you put on a different shirt for each one? We'll, uh, we'll really go. We'll go nuts. <laughs> All right, give me a second. <laughs> no, carry on. All right. So, number one was chasing too many rabbits. You know, the guy who chases two rabbits catches none. And when in 2017, I really thought I could do everything. I was, and I tried to. I thought I could run a successful business without ever having run a real business in my life. I thought I could launch seven products in about four months in Q4. I really overestimated what I could do whilst also everything I'm doing now was doing the same thing. I had a girlfriend at the time and I had, I was consulting for Helium 10. So all of those things at the same time take up a lot of time and you can't really do any of those things at a fantastic level. So that was my first mistake was, and that was a big lesson to just scale back and slow down on some things. Sometimes slow is, I, will, I can't remember the phrase, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. Is that what it is? Sure. I like that. Yeah. I think that's right. Actually, now that I think, I think about that, it. I think that's how it goes. And that was my first lesson because I'm very ambitious and I pushed myself very, very hard and I wasn't getting a lot of sleep and I thought I could do it all. But then I didn't, I didn't also anticipate all the issues that were going to come up and how could I, I didn't know what I was doing. It was the first time I was getting to these things, had everything worked perfectly to, you know, all the podcasts I listened to and I would have been great, but it didn't work out that way. And if you listen to my podcast, you'll hear about all the mistakes. So this is a very, uh, I definitely would, uh, especially for folks who are just starting out in, uh, in the e-commerce business and, you know, going, well, I understand the basic formula. I got a couple shekels to rub together. I'm going to just do this times 10 and uh, yeah. skip to the end, right? Because we all mm -hmm. just want to skip to the end. Mm -hmm. But the, the lesson you learn on your first product goes far beyond the marketing of it. In fact, who cares if the, the, that product ever sells? It's all the little lessons in between that you need to know. And you, you can't, speed up experience. There's actually, I think it was the mm, guy who started awesome. Amazon AWS. And he said something like, you know, there, there's no compression for experience, right? Because in AWS and all these cloud things, it's all about compression, right? They got to compress video yeah. and audio and everything. Yeah. It's like, you can't compress experience. It, it just, it's done over time. And uh, it's, so you're not alone. And there's a lot of people out there like you going, I'm not going to do one product. I'm going to do 10 or five or whatever it is. And what would you tell them at this stage? Don't do one. <laughs> and, and hey, I had people, I had good people telling me, hey, are you sure you want to do all, do all those? I'm like, yeah, this brand idea, it's, I'm going to make it all what They all fit. And I have all this extra capital that I don't know what to do with because I didn't understand cash flow. So of course, I still have products in China that I can't ship over because I don't have enough cash to ship them over. And I just didn't heed the warnings. I, I, I thought to myself, I thought, hey, you know what? I, I'm different. You know, I'm better than them. I can do it. I work harder. I'll do all these things and make it work. And I 
I worked harder, but I couldn't make everyone else work harder. I couldn't stop the environmental checks and factories and having factories shut themselves down and have people disappear with money. That wasn't something I could control. Yeah, that it was is. Definitely- I know you haven't got to your second example here yet, but uh, just as a, as a timely advice, one, um, go easy when you're starting out. You know, don't try to do it all at once. And two, these unexpected lightning bolts. And, and environmental is a very good example because throughout the end of uh, middle of 2017, all through now the middle of 2018, these environmental checks are continuing to happen. And in some cases, they're escalating now as we head into the, the latter part of 2018. And it's having direct impact on many, many factories. And even if your factory is in good shape, sometimes the upstream factories that, that feed the supply chain, the raw materials types of things, they're worse impacted. And so yeah. the costs are ultimately going to go up. The timing is going to get slower. And there's going to be lightning bolts coming your way. So be careful. Be careful. Absolutely. And also, the other thing I've experienced recently is more customs checks in China. So it's nothing to watch out for. Yeah. And again, there's going to be some of this tit for tat trade war stuff, right? So uh, every time the US tries to do something, whether it's uh, more intensive examinations, then China is going to try to do the same stuff. And it's it it will be a little bit of uh, that politics that can impact us. What what was your other lesson uh, so far that you've learned, Taz? So number two was not having a mentor. So had I had a mentor from when I started thinking about private label, so say, let's call it March, April 2017, a mentor would have stopped me from doing all the rubbish I was doing, stopped me from trying to launch seven products and said, choose the one and assess, he would have assessed or she would have assessed whether that product was a good idea, done all the research for me because I didn't understand. It takes a long time to really understand product research and to understand the market and to understand whether something really is a good idea or not. It takes a very, honestly, it takes a long time. You can't speed up that process. You have to learn it. You've got to keep looking at thousands of products to learn how to assess the market. I didn't understand any of that. I made some good choices, made some terrible choices, and I'm paying for them now. But had I had a mentor who could just cut through the crap and just say, do this, one, two, three, four. Because if any of those steps didn't work, he would be like, okay, well, here, do 3.2. And now move to 3.8, and then I'll take you to four. I, I didn't know what those those sub numbers were. I, I didn't understand it. So I'd go from four to six, back to three, and I didn't know what was going on. Had I had a mentor to slash through that, it would have changed everything. So then I, I actually got my first mentor in December, and it changed everything. Just deep dived into my business and said, okay, fix all these things. And that was definitely something that helped me get to 50K a month very, very quickly after that. Boy, those are uh, beautiful golden nuggets for everybody out there. It's, you know, the old saying is you don't know what you don't know. And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, fine, fine. That's a a funny little saying. But uh, you know what? I'm better, smarter, faster, whatever. But you still don't know what you don't know. And this is not unique to you, Taz, or anybody who's listening. This is everybody. You you just simply have to kind of walk before you run. And that's uh, as trite as these uh, little things may sound like. There, there's a reason why they, they came up with them. And I can tell you, uh, in my experience, when you first are learning, you need to kind of uh, be slow and steady. Absolutely. I think that's a big lesson to learn, especially when you're someone who has this entrepreneurial mindset and you just want to run. Every, I don't know any entrepreneur that wants to go slow. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, it's it, in our DNA to be impatient. That's just a reality. Exactly. Uh, uh, however, patience can be learned. So everybody, there's hope out there. Uh, learn the skill of patience. Uh, and uh, at the end of the day, you're going to be patient when you screw it up and then realize you set yourself back twice as long as it would have been otherwise. Uh, and yeah. I've learned those lessons many times myself. So how about, a, was there any time where, where you're like, I just want to give up. This is, this is uh, more than I expected. I, I don't like what I'm doing. Have you, have you crossed that road at this stage? You know, there was a point where I was kind of close to it where so my very first product it was out for two weeks i got a fake ip claim against it so i had to pay a lawyer to go and figure that out and my product came back in and i sold out the product i thought wow this is great and i saw that it was going to sell out it was everything went way quicker than i thought it would so in the meantime i was getting my next batch manufactured and then ultimately i paid sixteen thousand dollars for this next batch you know double the order size because like wow i need to get this back in before december closes out and then boom, 
my supplier disappeared and that was it. I had no contact with them for eight weeks. They, I don't know what had happened. They, something had gone on and I just thought, okay, well, I guess I got screwed and I only had one contact factory, couldn't contact anyone else. Nobody contacted me. And at that point uh, I was thinking to myself, Hmm, now I have zero money coming in. I started this business thinking, I, on, so the real truth was I thought I was going to pull in around $300,000 in Q4. And I thought I was going to do half a million in my first year. I ended up doing 150 in my first year. And most of that was retail arbitrage and some wholesale. And so I really, it, it hit me for a moment, but I didn't have a point where ever, I ever really, really thought I was going to quit. There wasn't, that, that ever, didn't ever occur to me because I was down and I was really angry, but I knew I could figure it out. I have, I've never got to a point where I've lost faith and thought, nah, I can't make this work. Because I also have a great network of people who meant, who now are mentoring me, who help me with things, and I can just pick up the phone and call, i.e. you, Steve. Mm. So I don't think there's ever, a, unless I do, do something really bad or wrong, and I don't feel like I'm going get to get to a point where I have to stop or I have to just throw the towel in. Because I'm very persistent as well. And I learned a ton of lessons. I made a ton of mistakes in 2017. And at this point now, I hope to get to, I hope I don't ever get one of those crazy lows. I mean, things can go wrong and for sure they will. And, you know, I anticipate being suspended. I anticipate having hijackers. And as long as you know, those things are part and parcel of running this business and, and you anticipate them happening at some point and just be prepared for them just, and know that you can fight your way through. Yeah, it is. You know, there will be unexpected surprises, mostly uh, negative surprises that happen. And that's just, we're in the business of solving problems, everybody. Uh, if problems didn't exist, they wouldn't need us. Uh, anybody could do it if it was easy, as they say. So yeah. uh, I, I will talk to you after the show and, and just see, maybe I can have the, the team at Simo Global uh, see if we can find that factory of yours. So you never got the money back? Oh, so the story continues. So oh, okay. I ended up getting, so after eight weeks, they, they contacted me and they told me a story about the, the guy had to go and talk to the Chinese government about some, something, something was going wrong. The factory was shut down and I was like, okay, I ended up giving, getting 7,000 of it back. And then I got most of the rest of it. So I had all these accessories manufactured and they'd manufactured the accessories, but they didn't manufacture the actual product. And so they said, well, we have all the accessories. Like, well, what am I going to do with the accessories? Like, I'm not selling the product anymore. What do I, and you know, I was fighting them on it and they, but then they just said, okay, well, we need, we, we're not going to keep these accessories. So I've sent some of the accessories to another factory to try and reproduce the product. And they still have some accessories. So I've recovered part of it. There's still some more to go. I have to figure, I still have to figure out that piece, but. You know, it wasn't it a total a loss. At least uh, it's, it is not super common to have guys just disappear, but it is not uncommon to have factories uh, be, I would say, low communicators, right? There, there's some factories that are just low communicators. And so uh, trying to really hold factories accountable and keeping, you know, regular uh, check-ins with them uh, in, in our inspection process, not only do we inspect the product when it's done, but we often inspect raw materials as production is going on. So yeah. we ensure it's like, hey, you know, in, in two weeks, you're supposed to be whatever, sewing this or printing that or milling that. And so you need to have this raw materials here. Where is it? And, and again, that doesn't work for everybody and it doesn't work for, you know, smaller orders. But over time, you learn how to kind of deal with a sophisticated supply chain and hold those guys accountable. And yeah. fundamentally, there's always good guys and bad guys anywhere. It doesn't matter where in the world you are. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that you didn't uh, get stiffed on that entirely, though. That's good. Yeah, we figured part of it out. <laughs> uh, how about a uh, how about a best day? Have you had a, a best day? Uh, you know, so far in your uh, entrepreneurial life, where you're like, man, this is a pretty good day. Yeah, it definitely. I had a really great day when I I kind of hit this. I got very close to hitting the 50k milestone, and I had my biggest day I've ever had. And it was all random. I didn't do anything special. I don't even know how it happened. But then I hit this. I hit three and a half k in a day, and it wasn't. It wasn't a special day. It was just a normal day. I don't know if it was, I think it was a Tuesday or something. And that just about pushed me over the edge of hitting the 50K a month milestone. And it was a long time coming. <laughs> I felt, because I felt like, you know, I, I'd, I'd pushed myself really hard to be making a crazy amounts in a very short amount of time, you know, comparing myself to everybody who, 
who'd done it before. And, and I, I stopped after I had my 2017, I stopped and I just said, look, I'm just going to do the best with what I have, my resources, my tools and the people around me and what I can do. So hitting that point felt great. Boy, it felt amazing. That, that lesson alone of, you know, Hey, stop the, uh, uh, you know, compare leads to despair, uh, kind of concept, right? I call it sometimes yeah. a Facebook culture. Everybody's like, you know, Hey, this guy's traveling, this guy's doing this and uh, look at these records of sales and whatever, yeah. but nobody ever posts the, Hey, sales suck today. Uh, everything <laughs> in the warehouse fell over and was damaged, right? Nobody posts yeah. that stuff. So exactly. uh, we forget. So it's really important to take yourself out of that comparison and just go, I'm going to do the best that I can do with my team resources, knowledge, whatever it is. Very smart. Yeah. And I, and I posted it when I hit that 50k. I was like, "Hey guys, so I hit it, but just being to be clear, I'm probably about eight percent margin wise. I spent a lot on um, giveaway, not giveaways, actually, no giveaways, but PPC and getting everything in and figuring out all my images. I spent a lot of money building everything around it. So my first month was probably about eight percent. And now, as I've gone through that, now I'm close to 20, 25, 30, depending on how much I'm spending on ads, what I'm putting on coupons and everything." But I like to be transparent about it because people are like, hey, I did a million, I did a hundred K this month. And I, I, no one, no one often talks about, Hey, well, here are my real numbers and here's what I made. Here's my take home. Yeah, that's uh, well, you know, gross sales are easy to talk about and easy to compare because you don't have to get into, well, what's baked into your gross margin or net margin or contributing yeah. margin or whatever, but it is misleading often to go, well, is there actually any money in that? Uh, we exactly. could have guys selling a million a month and losing 200 grand a month. And <laughs> exactly. what value is that, right? So it's always about building equity for uh, awesomers uh, worldwide. So uh, before we jump to a break and talk about the future, uh, I want to just uh, see if you have a favorite tool or a favorite you know, day-to-day app or something that helps you kind of either operate your business or just carry on with your daily routine. Well, that's a good one. Are we talking about Amazon specifically or just in Anything. general? Anything you think helps your life? Okay, so it's not really a tool, but it's a process I go okay. through, okay? So what really, really helps me is time blocking and scheduling my days. So I had, it, changed, it really changed how productive I was when instead of going through the day, just taking on the tasks that appear, the day before or at least in the morning, because I, I like to get early, early starts, I start my days usually around 5 a.m., I take my time to meditate, go through my routine. And part of my routine is, okay, here are all the things I need to do. And where are my most important things? I'm going to prioritize those. And I time block them. I put in times wherever I'm going to do those things and it's scheduled. And so when something's scheduled, you're, more, you're way more likely to do it because you know why you put it in there. You know why it's important. If you don't have something scheduled, you have some free time. You're most likely not going to go through your list and say, okay, here's my list of 20 things. Now, let me spend 10, 15 minutes figuring out which is the most important. And then I'm going to go and do that one. You're just going to pick something. You're going to pick the top of the list or, the sub, or what you're most likely going to do is take the easiest thing. Take the easy one. And the, another piece of this process that really, really helped me is I asked myself the question every morning of what am I procrastinating on most? And I always know. I always know. You're always, at least for me, I'm always procrastinating on something because it's something that, I don't know, doesn't make me feel good. Maybe it's responding to a negative review or dealing with a customer. It's not fun to do that, but you know it's important. And I know what I'm procrastinating on. So what I do is I write that thing down that I'm procrastinating on. And this is why I like doing things early in the morning because I have a couple of hours because I have a nine to five. I have a bit of time to just attack that, whether it's me being able to get it done immediately, but I at least start it. And that is what really picked up my productivity because those things that you're procrastinating on are like itching, you know, like they're biting the back of your neck and you know they're there, but you just keep ignoring them, ignoring them. And then when you actually do them, sometimes I'm not, I'm not kidding you, it will take me three minutes to do that thing that I've been procrastinating on. And when you do it, you're thinking to yourself, why didn't I do that? But then you're also thinking, damn, that feels good. It feels good to get that monkey off my back. And it's such a tiny thing. It is amazing. So I love time blocking. I love doing what you hate most first. That, that is uh, such good uh, advice because it, we do tend to put off often easy things, but they're unpleasant things. Yes. And if you, if you just get the worst news out of the way, the, the very first thing, you're, the rest of the day is great. There's no problems. And you don't have that overhead, that shadow chasing you around going, hey, don't worry. This thing you didn't want to do is still here. It's yeah, lurking exactly. behind you the whole time. Uh, and then even another little gold nugget he threw in there is a morning routine. That's uh, something that uh, I think a lot of people – 
uh, find good stock in. I think Tony Robbins is a big morning routine guy, yeah? So I got it. <laughs> there you go. All right. Well, so good. Yeah. So we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back and talk about the future. Uh, Taz is going to tell us the way it is. Be right back. Empowered. The name says it all. Connecting e-commerce entrepreneurs with great people, ideas, systems, and the services needed to stay business dynamic and to grow. Empowery is a network, a cooperative venture of tools and resources to make you better at what you do. Because we love what you do. We are you. Visit Empowery.com to learn more. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Okay, everybody, now that we paid some bills, uh, we're going to take a look into uh, Taz Asan's crystal ball. He's, he knows the future, and he's going to tell us what it looks like. So I'm going to ask you, Taz, whether you want to talk about what you look like in five years, what your business looks like in five years, or just the world at large. Give us some sort of uh, speculation, because uh, I love to play these back later and see who's right and who's wrong. Okay, well, in five years, well, I'll definitely be uh, probably about 180 pounds, sub 10% body fat. That's what I'm <laughs> amazing (laughs) Uh, business-wise so i definitely want to have exited at least one business in five years so that's one of my goals i have it so surprise surprise i have a five-year plan for my goals of what i want to achieve and i have revenue goals and i have an exit goal for the current the current brand i'm building and it's I, i love to form partnerships so partnerships will be huge for me i anticipate me not having my full time job in 5 years i i feel like i'm going to go for a, probably a couple more years and and then and then exit and then and then leave that but i really want to be running a few businesses and helping helping a lot i want to help other people grow their businesses and help them get out of their you know their whatever rat race they're in that's probably the the biggest thing so number one is exiting and having a whole lump sum of cash and being able to do some do the next thing with it. And one of my big my big goals is I want to build a lot of passive income. I want to build in in different vehicles like you know real estate, whatever it is, stock market. And I want to have that available to me. I don't just because right now I'll be honest, all my eggs are in my Amazon basket. And for me, it's okay. I I I know what I'm building, but I do have a view to expand that. And I have very good friends who are big in real estate, and they really understand how to figure that piece out. So I'm like, okay, well, great. When I have some cash, there you go. You're going to do that for me. I love it. That's great. Well, I think that is, you know, diversification is uh, an important thing just because there's, you know, there's things that happen and there's interests that change and so on and so forth. So Mm -hmm. it is good, but it doesn't hurt to double down on what's working today. Uh, I I enjoy those uh, predictions. And uh, for for those listening at home, uh, we will put in the show notes, Empowery has a couple resources that help people uh, exit their companies and these are uh, vetted resources. These are uh, resources that have kind of negotiated rates. And they're, they're really folks that we think are going to give you um, what, what is an entrepreneur-centric exit versus just getting a deal done. And that's, that's one uh, thing I would say. My, my vision and my goal is to help entrepreneurs build more equity in their business. Therefore, that exit is bigger and it relies on systems and you know, putting things in place and achieving certain scale. But that exit and that equity can always be impacted by doing a good deal at the end of the day. So look for that in the show notes, everybody. Uh, We'll make sure we get that uh, uh, loose end tied up. Uh, Before we close up, uh, Taz, tell us, how do we find your uh, podcast? Right. So I hope we can put a link in the show notes. But if you go to iTunes and you just look up the Amazon Entrepreneur, you probably all come up and you'll see it's really the whole thing is the Amazon entrepreneur with Tazasan and you'll find my little old podcast out there trying to provide value. And I do have a website. So it's Tazasan.com and you can go on there and you can find the podcast there and maybe some cool info. We'll see. Yeah, no doubt. Very good info. And also uh, not just a good guy, but uh, you know, he's, he's helping people see the journey from basically somebody who's just beginning, you know, even though he's now, you're close to a year or so, maybe a little more than a year into this, Taz? I, well, it depends on where, where we start the journey. So my original journey started in January doing retail arbitrage and okay. uh, whole wholesale thing. So I did that for two and a half months, moved into wholesale. I, I sold my first private label product in October of 2017. Go. So regardless of the timeline, it's still relatively fresh, but... Yep. For the people who are just starting out or thinking of starting out, that's a lifetime, you know, a year and a yeah. half. Believe me, you know, he, so he looks happened. a lot younger than it, that right now. I mean, believe me, <laughs> for 31, he's, uh, whew, sorry, Taz, it's, it's not looking good. Now, so. 
uh, he's really aging quickly because it's so difficult. No, he, of course, he's amazing and easy on the eyes, but uh, the journey is something that he articulates well. He shares it in, a, I think, an open and candid way and a way that I find to be um, inviting and reassuring in so many ways, right? Because, you know, when, when I hear the stories, I think back and go, oh, I made that mistake at times 10. Oh, I did that. Oh, yeah, that feels familiar. And, and I never had the chance to kind of listen to other people tell me their, their mistakes. I, I had some mentors, I had some help along the way, but nothing as easy as a podcast. So I uh, salute again what you're doing. Thank you for that. I really appreciate that. And I, I am trying to hopefully connect with people who are, think, who are you know, new to it, who don't have the experience, who don't really have a, a massive business background, who think, hey, I, I don't know how to start a business. I don't know how to run a business. Neither did I. And I'm still figuring it out. It's okay. You don't have to be an expert or read a ton of books or get a, an MBA in, in, in entrepreneurship to be an entrepreneur. You just have to go out there and take action. You got to get started. Uh, so that leads us to our uh, kind of words of wisdom. Do you have any uh, final uh, just, you know, uh, pieces of the puzzle you want to fill in for the guys out there listening and gals? And gals. Don't forget the gals. <laughs> I think my, my final words are really about keeping faith and always pushing forwards. You know, there's lots of things you can do. You can have really crazy productive days and then have off days. And I think some, one of the things I've learned over, over a period of time is just being consistent. Being consistent is so, so powerful. Just make sure you're doing something, a little thing, whatever it is. You don't have to, to time-block every single hour of your day every day, and it's a mistake I made. I burned myself out regularly because I would time-block everything, not give myself any time for anything else. And now I'm, I'm trying to, there's never really that much balance as an entrepreneur, but you have to find some of it. I call it counterbalancing. So sometimes you go really hard and then, but then you recover and I recover by, you know, I travel, I go see people, I see my friends, I spend time with them and I relax and I have a bit of downtime and then I can bring it back. So try not to burn yourself out and give yourself some time back, especially if you're working really hard because everything's going to come. The money's going to come, but you have to look after yourself and make sure you're living the life for yourself. Because ultimately, this is your life. You have one. So live it, live it really well. Take your time and be consistent. Consistency is very, very powerful. I think that's really uh, excellent advice. And you know, I want to just kind of help people reinforce the fact that not only is consistency kind of the, the name of the game, but if you're not going to enjoy the journey, what's the point, Right. If exactly. we are going to just torture ourselves for the next 40 years until it's time to, you know, go uh, off to the, you know, shady acres or whatever it is, that, that's just not uh, an ideal life. So why not create a life that's worth living and enjoy the journey for goodness sake? Uh, exactly. Really, really important stuff. Well, Taz, listen, it's been a, a real pleasure having you on you. Thank you for joining us here on Awesomers. It's been amazing. It's been an honor. Thank you so much, Steve. It's always great talking to you. It's my pleasure. We'll be right back, everybody, uh, right after this. Catalyst 88 was developed to help entrepreneurs achieve their short and long-term goals in e-commerce markets by utilizing the power of shared entrepreneurial wisdom. Entrepreneurship is nothing if not lessons to be learned. Learn from others. Learn from us. I guarantee that we will learn from you. Visit Catalyst88.com because your success is our success. A giddy up. You're listening to the Awesomers Podcast. Boy, Taz has such fun and interesting stories. And once again, I just, I really enjoy the fact that he has taken it upon himself to share his, his like live journey as he's going through. It's like a play by play. Uh, you know, it's almost, you know, I don't want to say this in a negative way, but it's almost like a soap opera. It's like, what's going to happen with Taz this week? Is, are things going to go up? Or are things going to go down? And that's, that's really an interesting paradigm to be able to look through somebody's live experience and see somebody who's saying, you know, I'm in the corporate world and I like what I do. I have a great job uh, and I have a certain amount of freedom, which I'm lucky to have, but I, I want more and I want to understand, I want to achieve. And for especially those out there who are maybe entrepreneurs at this stage, you're thinking about starting a business, you're thinking about doing something, Taz is a great guy to kind of watch his journey and figure out how he hustles to get the job done. Really, really informative and interesting. And, and again, somebody I, I deeply respect and admire. So this has been episode number 51 of the Awesomers.com podcast series. And just pop on over to awesomers.com slash 51 and you can find all the relevant show notes and details and transcripts, etc., etc. Well, we've done it again, everybody. 
we have another episode of the Awesomers Podcast ready for the world. Thank you for joining us, and we hope that you've enjoyed our program today. Now's a good time to take a moment to subscribe, like, and share this podcast. Heck, you could even leave a, a review if you wanted. Awesomers around you will appreciate your help. It's only with your participation and sharing that we'll be able to achieve our goals. Our success is literally in your hands. Thank you again for joining us. We are at your service. Find out more about me, Steve Simonson, our guest, team, and all the other Awesomers involved at awesomers.com. Thank you again. Awesomers.com.